1: This is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on v the Sports Betting Network. Coming to you from the Circus Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas, I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on v the Sports Betting Network. Always on Twitter, at Scott's on air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Hit us all up on the network at v live as the days count closer and closer to the start of free agency in the NBA. And there is news, there is speculation, and maybe a little bit of concern for some teams out there. Here's where we're at right now with the latest news in the NBA. We talked about this briefly last night, but the speculation about James Harden winds up being uh, accurate. It's, it's, It's what we thought was going to happen with James Harden, and that is that he opts out of his contract so he does not pick up his $47 million player option. Instead, it's looking more likely that James Harden will negotiate a new deal with Philadelphia and that deal is being done so that, the, so that the Sixers have some flexibility with their roster. They can go out and they can sign other players. Uh, teams can begin negotiating deals with free agents starting uh, 6 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday. No player can officially sign, though, until July 6th. This is the moratorium period. So James Harden opts out of his deal. Technically he's a free agent, but from all indications he's just going to re-sign with Philadelphia and then they're going to use the money with a restructured deal so they're not paying him 47 million dollars here um you know <laughs> for this year and what's going to happen is it looks like they're going to sign PJ Tucker to a 3-year million contract. So that is coming from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Keith Pompey tweeting out, quote, uh, However, several league sources say Tucker will choose the Sixers three-year, $30 million offer over opportunities to remain in Miami or go back till Milwaukee after free agency begins 6 p.m. on Thursday. Tucker could receive $27 million guaranteed with reachable incentives that could get him to $30 million, sources say. Three sources have said Tucker to the Sixers is a done deal. A fourth source said that he would be shocked if Tucker wasn't in a Sixers uniform next season, end quote. That is coming from uh, Keith Pompey of the Philadelphia Inquirer. So, the Sixers right now are the one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh favorite to win the NBA title. Up on the DraftKings sports book, the Sixers are fifteen to one to win the NBA title. To win the Eastern Conference, the Sixers are the fourth favorite at seven to one. Now, let me ask you: If you take the Sixers team, That we saw last year at the end of the season and into the playoffs. Now that team adds depth with a player the caliber of P.J. Tucker. A whole offseason and a whole regular season to have Joel Embiid and James Harden mesh together. This team's going to be better than they were last year. And so 7-1 to to win the Eastern Conference, it, it looks more attractive to me than maybe the Boston Celtics, who are the favorite right now, plus 265. So I don't necessarily hate any future bet here on the Philadelphia 76ers. I think the future could be bright here with the P.J. Tucker signing. And we'll also see what else they decide to do with their bench. Because when you look at um, what the Sixers will have by James Harden doing this whole uh, opt-out or uh, or whatever, is that I believe they'll also have um, the mid-level exemption and the $4.1 million biennial exemption. So there's there's money out there that the Sixers could use. Even, you know, so a $10.5 million full exemption, the four point million other exemption, there's money that they could spend. And I don't know which part of that's going to be eaten up by P.J. Tucker, but... They could bring in another bench role player, and now this Sixers team looks really attractive going into next season. And it it, it would be, yeah, I, I think that this, I think this Phillies team could be really attractive next year. So that's the first piece of big NBA news. The other piece is uh, Bradley Beal has declined his thirty six point four million-dollar player option, which means that Bradley Beal is an unrestricted free agent. He's played his entire career with the Wizards, and now he becomes a very attractive piece in free agency. He's 29 years old uh, in 40 games before having an injury last year, 23.2 points per game. 6.6 assists, 4.7 rebounds. Um, And a three-time All-Star. He's averaged uh, more than 30 points per game, uh, including 31.3 across the 60-game season in 2020-2021. Number three overall pick in 2012. So who wants to spend the money on Bradley Beal? and Bring him in. That's certainly an attractive piece. Elsewhere, the Hawks acquire Duante Murray from the Spurs for three first-round picks and Danilo Gallinari. Now, Murray was a guy that I actually thought was linked to the Knicks. And the reason why I felt that way is because it, the Knicks' clearing of space for whatever it was, $110 million, all that stuff, or excuse me, the $19 million that they freed up, and according to reports, it's going to be a four-year, $110 million contract offer to Jalen Brunson, the point guard for the Dallas Mavericks. I like Brunson. He's a nice player. I felt that all the moves that the Knicks were making, though, was because there was more than one move on the horizon. It was going to be more than Jalen Brunson. And I thought that Murray was going to be that second piece to go along with Jalen Brunson. But that's not the case uh, as Murray is traded to the Atlanta Hawks, pairing him up with Trey Young. You got an all-star backcourt now. Right? You got two all-stars in Murray and Trey Young in your backcourt. Makes the Hawks pretty formidable. Atlanta right now to win the Eastern Conference. 15 to one Atlanta to win the NBA title 45 to one. I wouldn't go that far. So that's where we are here. Oh, Patty Mills also has opted out and he will become a free agent. But according to reports, he could actually still go back to the Brooklyn Nets. He's 33 years old, played the 10 years with San Antonio goes to the Nets, and actually had to play a big role with the Joe Harris injury. So I don't know what the future holds for Patty Mills. Maybe, you know, there's another team out there that wants to offer him a deal. Maybe with uh, Murray being gone now from San Antonio, frees up a spot for him to return to the Spurs, if that's where Patty Mills wants to be. So keep an eye on that. Um, And uh, the Nuggets have sent Will Barton and Monte Morris to Washington for Contavius Caldwell Pope. So um moves being made. moves are being made. teams are freeing up money. and um this is where we're at here where uh players are going to become free agents. Bobby Portis has declined his 4.6 million dollar option. He'll become a free agent. So, I mean, think about, I mean, the Bucs are going to look different next year. Uh, this, everyone's going to look different next year. But starting 6 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday, free agents can negotiate with teams. They could come to agreements, but nothing can be signed until next week. I'm wondering how the betting market is going to handle the next several days. Because will the market move based on agreements that are reached? Even though nothing is official, there's no pen to paper, nothing's been signed. So, technically, like a player could back out on a deal or something like that. Like, if it's a restricted free agent, a team could match the deal. So I'm wondering if that's the case and the market waits until January, uh, July 6th when the contracts are signed, because if the market doesn't adjust based on the news of agreements, well, you could find advantages here by betting those teams at the numbers that are currently up. But I think that people are smarter and, and they'll start to bet these things. I'm Scott Zaderberg. Hit me up on Twitter at scotts on air. S C O T T S O N A I R. This is the look ahead here on VSN the sports betting network.
0: This is the look ahead on VSN, the sports betting network. If you dare.
1: This segment of The Look Ahead is brought to you by Zin Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. Zin Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties, and they come in two strengths so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zyn, America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide. Visit zin.com find to locate a store near you. That's slash find. Warning this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Scott Sidenberg back here with you. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Taking a look at what went down in Major League Baseball here on uh, Wednesday. It started bright and early. The Brewers defeating the Rays at the drop 5-3. to three. Uh, And the Yankees trailing early against the A's come from behind. Well, first, Aaron Judge homers in the first inning. They were down 3 nothing after the top of the first. And then uh, Judge with the home run in the bottom of the first made it 3-2. It stayed 3-2 until Giancarlo Stanton hit a three-run bomb to make it 5-3. And this was a spot where it was 5-3 after the third inning. And that's how the game ended, 5-3. So if you played like the over 8th or 8.5, uh, that's a tough beat because after three innings, you thought you had it. Uh, Pirates defeated the Nationals 8-7, back and forth game there. The Astros, a 2-0 win over the Mets in an absolute pitcher's duel. Justin Verlander goes out there and allows just two hits In eight shutout innings, he walked one, he struck out six. Taiwan Walker matched him going seven and a third shutout innings. He struck out three, he walked two, he allowed four hits. And the Mets really only had a threat, I guess it was in the first inning. And the uh, Astros had a threat later on in like the third or fourth inning. But no, Verlander at one point, they he retired with 18 out of 19, something like that. Like this was a pitcher's duel. And then in the uh, top of the ninth inning with Edwin Diaz now out of the game because he came in to relieve Taiwan Walker in the eighth inning. So Drew Smith is on. And the Astros backup catcher, Jason Castro hits, I believe it was his first home run of the season, a two-run shot to right field, scoring Yuli Gurriel, and the Astros win 2-0 over the Mets, spoiling an incredible start by Taiwan Walker. Uh, The Royals defeat the Rangers 2-1. Zach Greinke in his 500th career start just gave up one run on four hits, and the Royals get the win there. Padres blanked the Diamondbacks 4-0. Mike Clevenger one-hit ball through six shutout innings. Uh, Tigers beat the Giants as a big underdog 3-2. The Mariners uh, with a 9-3 win over the Orioles. Julio Rodriguez with his 12th home run of the season. Braves beat the Phillies 4-1. Um, the uh, Braves 21-5. and In the month of June. (laughs) Let's think about that. 21-5 and in the month of June. And the Mets, who were so incredible to start the season. And jumped out to this this massive winning streak. Or just not a streak, but a winning ways. I mean, it was the Braves who had the 14-game winning streak. The lead in the National League East is down to just three games. That's how good the Braves have played baseball. The Mets are 47-29, and 29, but 4-6 in their last 10. The Braves are 21-5 and five in the month of June, and Atlanta trails the Mets by just three games now. They are plus 200 to win this division, but you can't argue. They're playing the best baseball out of anybody in that National League East. Uh, Moving on, the Red Sox in 10 innings defeat the Blue Jays 6-5. They avoid the three-game sweep. Alec Manoa got the start in this one. Uh, We played Manoa in the first five innings. The Astros had, I mean, uh, the the Blue Jays had a 2-1 lead. After five innings, Manoa winds up pitching seven innings. He gave up three runs, two of them earned. Uh, and six hits, he did give up one home run. The two runs he gave up in the top of the sixth inning came on an Alex Verdugo home run. Other than that, it was the uh, sack fly by Ref Snyder in the second inning, the only runs that um, Alec Manoa gave up on the day. Guardians defeated the Twins in 10 innings, 7-6. to six, So free baseball there. Uh, the Marlins come from behind to defeat the Cardinals for three Avi Garcia's uh two-run home run in the top of the ninth was the difference in this one uh play of the day today was the Marlins in the first five innings and this was a tie ball game going into the top of the fifth inning where the Marlins loaded the bases with nobody out and at that point I'm cashing this ticket already Right, Sandy Alcantara has been absolutely lights out, absolutely dominant. He had not gotten a three-ball count on any batter. And so I'm thinking bases loaded, nobody out, definitely going to score some runs here. Well, it turns out uh, the Marlins grounded into a double play and only scored one run with the bases loaded and nobody out. But okay, a one-run lead should be good enough with Sandy Alcantara on the hill, as I mentioned, Hadn't gone to that point to a three-ball count on anybody. Well, first guy of the inning, that's an out. One out, nobody on. Then, a deep fly ball to center field that Jesus Sanchez drops. No other way to explain it. He was on the run. He went to catch it. And maybe he took his eye off the ball or... I don't know, was afraid of hitting the wall. I mean, he wasn't really that close to the wall, but he's a major leaguer. That play's got to get made. I know it wasn't counted as an error, but it should have been because a major leaguer makes that catch. He reaches out his hand. The ball hits off of his glove, bounces away for a triple, a sack, uh, uh, a walk on the next batter, the first walk of the game for Sandy Alcantara, which... I think was a little bit of strategy because it sets up the double play. And is a guy who just gets a ton of ground balls, right? Well, next batter hits a sacrifice fly, ties the game. However, the left fielder, who was uh, De La Cruz, instead of just forfeiting the run at home and throwing the ball into second base to hold the runner at first, he tries to throw the runner out at home. Obviously, it wasn't even close. The runner was beat safe by a mile. But when the throw goes home, the runner from first goes to second. Now, why is that important? Well, it's important because you had a um, you had the next batter hit a single, which scored the run from second base. So, obviously, had that guy stayed at first, maybe it's first and third. Eh, it's a whole different ball game. Anyway. Um, that's where, that's what happened in that game. And, uh, the Cardinals scored two runs. So we lose the Marlins in the first five innings, crushing blow, crushing blow. Also, if you had the under in the first five innings with Sandy, uh, elsewhere, you had the, uh, Cubs defeat the Reds eight to three Dodgers avoid the three game sweep. They beat the Rockies eight to four. Uh, they hit a couple of home runs there. Uh, Freddie Freeman homered, Will Smith homered. Cody Bellinger homered, Dodgers win 8-4, uh, to four. and the Angels behind Shohei Otani's 11 Ks and extending his scoreless innings streak now to 21 and two-thirds innings as the Angels defeated the White Sox 4-1. to one. And you want to just talk about the, um, you know, what Shohei Otani has done here. In the month of June, he has or he had, an 11-game hit streak. He had a career-high eight RBIs on June 21st, a career-high 13 Ks the very next day. He had his hardest-hit home run of his career, which was 118 miles per hour exit velo, and now 21 and two-thirds consecutive scoreless innings. This has been some month for Shohei Ohtani. I'm Scott Sadenberg. You hit me up on Twitter at scottsonair, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Coming up next, we'll get into uh, a slew of topics with the very talented Pamela Maldonado. Got to ask her about golf, the John Deere Classic. Maybe a little bit about the Live Golf Tour. Get her thoughts on Wimbledon as well. She's all over the tennis. So we'll talk to Pam coming up next I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's On Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. This is The Look Ahead here on v the sports betting network. This is The Look Ahead on v the sports betting network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, BetRivers has you covered. BetRivers has launched a series of CityCasts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are CityCasts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, L.A., New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever you get your podcasts. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It's The Look Ahead here on VSYN, the Sports Betting Network. Joining us now from Yahoo Sports, She is Pamela Maldonado on Twitter at Pamela M35. And, well, she's getting ready for the next slate of Wimbledon matches because Pam's crushing it when it comes to the tennis. Uh, I got to ask, when it comes to the, the future betting market here at Wimbledon, is there any value to taking anybody besides Novak Djokovic to win this thing?
2: There's absolutely value at taking a futures market right now. Um, you have Rafa Nadal, who everyone seems to be discounting at this time because he's already won two of the four majors. He's supposed to be injured. This isn't his best surface. Yada, yada, yada. Give me all you want. I want to take Rafa Nadal at 4-1 to one right now. Um, I actually do have a futures on him already at 8-1 to one that I took pre-tournament, and I suggested that that would be a good grab. That was when his part of the draw was tougher than it is now. You're talking about three of the four players that are on his side of the half, his bottom half of the draw, that could have given Nadal trouble in Marin Cilic, Felix auger aliassime and especially Matteo Berrettini, which might be a name that you are recognizing. All three of those players are out of Wimbledon, two of which, Inchilage and Berrettini, are WDs from COVID-positive tests. And Felix Legereliassime, he was upset in the first round to a French-American in Maxime Cressy. So now Nadal has three less players to worry about, and you're giving me still four to one. Mm. If he ends up facing Djokovic in the final, then absolutely um, you can try to figure out if maybe you want to hedge. But if you are also following, you know, Yahoo Sports and Pam, then you also have a Djokovic plus money um, to win this event as well. But Nadal still is definitely up for grabs right now to win his third slam, extend his title slam lead, and chase that calendar slam, which as a fan, I'm keeping my fingers crossed.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Nadal, I'm seeing plus 450 on the DraftKings Sportsbook to win this thing. So if it's Nadal Djokovic in the final, what would that line be in that match? Obviously, Joker would be the favorite.
2: Oh, wow. Absolutely, Djokovic would be the favorite. He has six Wimbledon titles. The last time Nadal won a Wimbledon title was 2010. So mm. this is definitely, should be a lopsided match. Um, however, I'm, I'm the biggest Djokovic fan, like probably on the planet. And I have not seen anything from him that screams that he is 100% back to form. So mm. now you want to give me like an equal, a little bit, it's a little bit closer probably than it should. But I'm thinking that if it is them two in the final, then Djokovic should probably be upwards of maybe a 300 favorite. Wow. Um, Potentially. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, getting four to one odds on him. And there's only one player left on Nadal's side of the half that could give him some trouble. And that would be an American in Taylor Fritz, who did defeat Nadal this year. But that was when Nadal was severely facing injury. Um, this is a better surface for Taylor Fritz, though. But Fritz is 5-1 to one to win the fourth quarter, while Nadal is minus 170. So that would be the only time. And those two would end up meeting in the quarterfinal. Um, so that could be interesting. But I'm still holding out that Nadal, the year of magic, mm. continues.
1: That's a good, it would be certainly a great story to follow. Uh, on the women's side, is there anybody that could dethrone Iga Sviatek?
2: Ha, uh, yes. I am going to say that with hesitation, however, um, just because, I mean, she is, no matter what surface it is, you can say similar to like that of Carlos Alcaraz, that that grass maybe not be his best surface. Grass is maybe not Iga's best surface. However, she's still her talent level compared to the rest of the field is so significant and such a disparity that she, I mean, she's playing so well right now, but there are a couple of players. You still have Simona Halep, who's still in the lineup. Um, you have that woman, uh, WTA player, her name is Shang Qu- Quien Shang. I'm butchering her name, I'm sure. Um, but she has a match tomorrow against uh, Minin. She should get through through straight sets. That was the only player to take a set off of Iga Tech at rolling arrows why because she has a big serve mm. what excels on grass a big serve so i'm interested to see shang um continue how she does in this tournament uh, a deep run um but yeah i mean i wouldn't say that she's the definitive favorite igus viatek but definitely it makes sense
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely I mean, i'm mean, seeing a couple of former winners you know petra kavitova simona halb 12 to 1 but uh igas viatek now plus 140 as your favorite uh are there any matches that you are on for tomorrow
2: Oh, unfortunately, you know what? I just posted a tweet about an hour ago, and I said, I have been staring at the Wimbledon tomorrow Slate, and there's absolutely nothing that, like, screams out to me and shouts, and I feel like sometimes the best bet is just to not force anything. Yeah, I smart. made a case for every single match. And my biggest lean would be Maxime Cressy against an American, an American matchup. Cressy against Jack Sock. I would take the over in that. I would think that this goes five sets. Um, just because both players are really good servers. You have Jack Sock, who plays doubles with another American in John Isner, who's one of the biggest servers, so he's used to having that with him. And Cressy has played a lot of tennis as of late. He was one of the players that—he's uh, the player that upset Felix auger team. That was a five-setter, so I don't know if he has the legs. That's the only hesitation of why I haven't taken it. And Sock, he has been playing a lot of challenger events, lesser opponents— so you're kind of making a case for both um but that would be my biggest lean is Jack Sock Maxim Cressy over 41 and a half this potentially should be riding a full 5
1: Interesting stuff uh let's transition to golf we got the John Deere Classic uh that's going to begin and it is Not exactly the uh, most attractive field, Pam. Uh, Certainly the bigger names will be playing in Portland at the Live Tournament coming up here this weekend. But when it comes to the John Deere, who do you have finishing atop the leaderboard?
2: So for TPC Deer Run, you really want to focus on players Iron play is always going to be number one consideration for me, um, just because a solid iron player can definitely navigate through mostly any course. But for this course specifically, also I'm looking for players who hit accurate off the tee because it is pretty narrow fairways, and it, the I want players who are going to score low because the winners of previous years have been 20 under or, or higher. I mean, or lower. So the one player that I'm looking at is Brendan Todd, which is the name that probably doesn't pop off for too many people, but you're getting him plus 170 for a top 20 and 40 to one for a win. This is definitely a field where you can take some of those longer shots. Um, but in the field in the last 20 rounds, Todd is top five in driving accuracy. He's top 15 with his iron play and he's top 10 with his putting. That right there is the number one combination of a player that I want to be targeting. Hmm. And he did take third at the Schwab this year and a T13 at RBC Canada and a T16 at Pebble. All three of those courses are on the shorter end, which is what this course is. It's about 7,200 yards. It requires some accuracy off the tee. So he's definitely a player that can t- contend, and I would not be shocked if he wins. Um, I'm also liking Webb Simpson. Mm. Um, he is the favorite yep. in this tournament, but he's minus 120 for top 20. Are you kidding? That's like an auto bet for me, whether it works out or not, because he is by far the most skilled player in this lineup. Top 20 in accuracy. Simpson is top 30 in greens and regulation, top 10 in par four scoring, which matters because this is TPC deer run is a par 71. But more importantly for Webb Simpson, he is second in birdie or better. So I'm talking about you want to be able to score low. Webb Simpson on this course can definitely go low, being second in birdie or better. And he is coming in with a little bit of confidence, rounding back into form somewhat. He took a t thirteen at the Travelers just last week, where he gained six strokes ball striking. So with his iron play in check and his putter, typically what best part of his game right now? Yeah, I definitely feel confident in the favorite to do well in the top twenty.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a great bet right now on DraftKings Sportsbook even money. Webb Simpson to finish top twenty, Gold. and and he's twelve to one to win. Uh, right there behind Adam <laughs> Hadwin as as pretty exactly. much the second favorite. So yeah, you get the favorite to win the tournament, just to finish in the top twenty. Yeah, that seems like a free bet to me. Um, how much will you be paying attention to the Live event this weekend? Will you try and watch it where, wherever you can find it online? Will you just be keeping track of the scores? How intrigued are you by the field this weekend?
2: Uh, that's a tough one. Okay, I'll be honest. So I am not. I haven't been that intrigued. I think I'm kind of in line with the players where mm. you kind of follow the, the PGA. You want to be part of the PGA because it holds like more validity, and it's just like a higher ranking. That's kind of how I feel with betting it. I'm going to pay attention to the best of the best players on the PGA Tour. I want to follow Rory McIlroy. I want to follow Webb Simpson come back into form. Um, This kind of, the Live Tour kind of feels more of like an exhibition match. Mm. So I'm not, at this point, interested, but I'm going to see what develops. I know that they are playing in the U.S., so that would be interesting. But I'm also wanting to see what happens after the excitement kind of fizzles out in 2023 is it still going to be around and exciting and fresh and new and if so then i'll start considering it maybe next season
1: yeah, uh, yeah it's interesting cause, uh, how, what's the motivation for these guys to go out there and win when they're making millions hundreds of millions of dollars just millions. for playing in just in to Indiana. sign up <laughs> yeah, exactly
2: join and everyone
1: <laughs> and everyone makes the cut We're, everyone gets a participation trophy pam Uh, Hang on with me uh, through the break because I want to get into some football and talk about a great article that you wrote recently up on Yahoo. So let's get into that coming up next. She's Pamela Maldonado from the Yahoo Yahoo Sports, Pamela M35 on Twitter. I'm Scott Sadenberg. This is The Look Ahead.
0: VCEN, the sports betting network. If you dare.
1: Back here on the Look Ahead, I'm Scott Seidenberg on VSN, the sports betting network. Joining me now from Yahoo Sports is Pamela Maldonado. You follow her on Twitter at Pamela M35. And Pam, uh, you wrote an article a couple of weeks ago about um, the highs and lows of sports betting. Uh, I thought it was interesting because. Um, Wayne it comes to be when it comes to doing this especially if you're doing it every day you really have to be able to manage this roller coaster otherwise you can get yourself in some serious trouble uh, what led you to writing this article first off and you know did it come from personal experience did it come from you know talking to people in the industry what was behind this piece for you
2: I absolutely pulled from personal experience. That's what I do for a lot of my stuff. If you read my articles, yes, I'm talking about picks. I'm talking about plays. But more often than not, I'm also talking about just life lessons. Mm -hmm. And it's because like, I myself am a sports better, yes. But now I'm also in content creating. So the PAM sports better from two years ago, who was not in the industry yet, uh, is a different type of sports better than Pam now who's working for Yahoo Sports. So I've had a lot of ups and downs myself. Um, you you experience it. You said it right now. We do this every single day. Whereas opposed to before, I wasn't. I was doing this only during football season, only during Australian Open. Um, did you know that I only bet tennis during Australian Open and grass? And I didn't touch it the rest of the year. Well, now I'm touching tennis 12 months out of the year because it's my job. So you have... You've made a lot of mistakes mm-hmm. and I want to share those mistakes. I'm all about transparency. And if I can teach somebody um, from a mistake that I've made myself and maybe it prevents you from making that same mistake, why wouldn't you want to share that information? Mm-hmm. It's all about I kind of consider sports betting um, like a community and like I like talking to people and getting their perspective on things. And I want to share the ups and downs of what happens on a daily basis and how to get out of the mental funk from it. Because I also come from poker and poker was a lot of mental swings. You want to talk about the mental swings of anything, poker is going to teach you in a heartbeat (laughs) what it's like to be down in a split second from one wrong decision. So how do you bounce back from that mentally? Um, Well, here's a few ways.
1: Yeah, you wrote about staying neutral, and I can see that coming mm-hmm. from a poker background how important that is, right? I mean, you get a bad beat on, you know, somebody goes runner-runner and beats you. You can't go on tilt Absolutely. because it's completely going to ruin your game, and it's the same thing in sports betting. You know, I know Las Vegas Chris talked about this uh, earlier on Vison this week. You know, bad beats happen. It's called variance. Like, it happened. I tweeted mm-hmm. about this earlier this baseball season that, you know, you can handicap a game. You can do all your research and you can be on the right side. And guess what? You're going to lose. It's okay exactly. to lose.
2: Exactly. And that happened to me today, betting tennis. Um, I posted three plays and I went two and one. It should have been, in all honesty, three and zero day. It could have been a sweep. Uh, the one player that I backed on a, as an underdog to win outright, he actually ended up losing the match in four sets, but he won in points. He bageled his opponents, uh his opponent, which means he won the second set six zero. He won in games. So he the match was over. He lost the match, but he was he won in games. So if I had taken the plus games, that would have covered, but the money line did not. Um, but if you're covering a plus two spread in tennis, more often than not, you're going to win the match. And that just didn't work out today. So I'm calling that a bad beat. <laughs> so uh, it's unfortunate, but it's exactly right. You stay neutral. And so when I talk about staying neutral, it's also if you handicap a game and it co- it works out great. You want to analyze why it worked out. Was it because the analysis that you put together is, was the reason why it came to fruition Or if you handicap a game and it was wrong, we'll also analyze why it was wrong. Did you overvalue this, undervalue that? So you really want to learn from both sides, and that's exactly what you do in poker. You review hand histories all the time. You're talking to other players, getting their perspective. So we all have an Excel sheet, and if you don't, you should. So have an Excel sheet, figure out where's your strength, where's your weakness, and are you going through game by game, match by match, Hey, this worked out, and this is the reason why. Okay, great. I'm on track. Hey, this didn't work out, and this is the reason why. Okay, here's where I can make an adjustment for next time. These are all things that just are going to help you in the long run. And I know that it's extra work, and people don't want to mm-hmm. do the extra work. They just want to see the check mark or the X. But you really have to analyze these things. Otherwise, you you make adjustments throughout, especially since you're doing this on a daily basis. You don't think the sports books are making adjustments? <laughs> you should be, too.
1: Well, yeah, got like a little spreadsheet right here. And there's a section on there for notes uh, because one of the things that I preach on this show and w- and when I tweet is context matters. And you know, oh, part of me, I I really do get bothered, Pam, by box score handicappers. Um, and and it's it's it could just be me. Like I understand that it has nothing to do with the with anybody else out there that that's doing this uh, gambling Twitter or whatnot. But for me, I'm someone that. You know, I I, I watch the games, okay, and Mm -hmm. I'm looking for things. It's not Mm -hmm. just about the box score for me. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that just bet based on the box score. Oh, this happened, this happened, this happened, so this is what I'm going to bet. For me, Mm -hmm. context matters, okay? If I handicap that a starting pitcher, because baseball is my number one sport, I'm handicapping that a starting pitcher – does not give up hard contact, right? He's got an extremely low barrel rate. His exit velo on average is one of the lowest in Major League Baseball. And so I'm betting on this pitcher. And the pitcher gives up two runs in an inning where there were three infield singles and a blooper over the second baseman's head. Well, guess what? My handicap was accurate. though That was weak contact. But people that just look at the box score will say, he gave up two runs. So I, I always say, I'm
2: going to tell you that story. Yes, yeah.
1: Context matters. So I love that you said that keeping track and, no- and noting everything that goes on in the course and evaluating what went right, what went wrong and how you can improve yourself. Um, talk to me about unit size. Uh, I had an, uh, an exchange with somebody on Twitter today who uh, was asking about my baseball record and wanted to know uh, what the units were. And I say, I always stress people, look, I don't give out a unit size on a bet because my unit's different than your unit. And I don't want to be responsible for your bankroll. So I always say, bet what you're comfortable betting. Because there's sometimes I love a game and I throw two units on it. I throw two and a half units on it. But I'm not going to be the person that says three unit, five unit max bet. And then somebody irresponsibly (laughs) bets that, that follows me on Twitter. So I give you the play and then it's up to you to be responsible with your money. So talk to me about unit size.
2: So there's two perspectives on this. And if you read Ed Miller's book on the logic of sports betting, he's going to tell you that you should be doing different units based off of um, how have, have you mentioned your bankroll for one, and then two based off of how confident you are in some one thing or another. My perspective on this though, however, is we are still content creators. If I was maybe selling you a package, and selling my picks, then maybe I would provide units. But as content creators who's posting their stuff for free through Twitter, I'm just gonna give you my analysis and I will let you decide how you wanna decipher how you wanna spend your money um, based off of the analysis that I give. Now me, myself, I am a same same size better. Whether I bet two units or one unit, I'm a one unit person. I bet the same for everything. in reason, of course, uh, there's more beyond it. But for the most part, I am betting the same. But for me, my perspective on it is I'm not going to post three picks. One be a three unit, one be a two <laughs> unit, one be a one unit. If I like something at a three, but I only like another one at a one, then I shouldn't be playing that one. Well In my said. opinion, if I'm posting three three picks, it's because I feel strongly about all three hitting. And like today, I rarely post more than one pick for HTTP tennis. Like rarely. I do one a day and that's about it. Today I posted three. That's kind of really unheard of. So it's the same one unit bet. It should have been a three and no day. I'm not going to say one should have been a two unit. One Mm -hmm. should have been a one unit. I felt strongly about all three. I'm going to post all three. I'm going to use the analysis to uh, hopefully comes to fruition And then you analyze as such and see how you want to decide for your money dispersely. But, um, no, I'm a same size better. And I think that's okay. I think you do what's comfortable for you.
1: Exactly. And that's why, you know, well said, um, like you mentioned, if I'm giving out a pick on Twitter for free and I'm giving you my analysis, I'm giving you the pick, you be responsible with your money. I'm not going to take I said The worst thing that I think I can do is say, you know, like the, the five unit max bet. And then someone goes, Oh, well, I better put he five said. units on this. Well, no, if you can't afford to do that, then don't do it. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. bankroll management is so important and everybody has their own individual, you know, budgets, right? Exactly. That's, that's the most important thing is to play within your means and uh, be responsible. Pamela, great conversation as always. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Good luck with your tennis bets. Good luck with your golf bets. And we'll be catching up with you real soon. Thanks, so. guys. There she is. Pamela Maldonado from Yahoo Sports. You follow her on Twitter at PamelaM35. And uh, the article, uh, I'm sure, is on her Twitter page, so you can find that as well. Betting 101, the keys to being successful. She says how to handle the highs and the lows of sports betting. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's On Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R.
0: This is The Look Ahead here on v